Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life, to banish the years of yo-yo dieting, heal your relationship with food, make lifelong changes to your health by learning evidence-based nutritional techniques with self-compassion, mindfulness and behaviour change to feel more accepting and confident both in your mind and your body. We'll likely be adding a little bit of feminism, some sass and some humour along the way. I hope you enjoy and thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. You're joined by me, your host, Rebecca, and of course, as always, my wonderful sidekick, Edith. I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, you're having a wonderful day. So today I want to talk about in-the-moment strategies. And in-the-moment strategies, namely one in particular, that can support you when you have that urge to binge or urge to emotionally eat. Now too often, diets focus just on the food. You know, remove all the food out of your house. Avoid your trigger food. Both are damaging and neither have a place in a healthy relationship with food. All they're doing is masking the problem. And this is an analogy I like to use. You've probably heard it, but it's putting a plaster on a dirty wound without first cleaning it. Soon it becomes infected and needs more work, a longer time to heal. And realistically, you don't forever want to be avoiding food. You don't forever want to be fearing food or having food control you. You know, where it's talking to you in the cupboard and feeling that loss of control because it soon gets to the point where you feel you're losing your identity. So what we know about emotional binge eating, in particular, it comes from emotional dysregulation. And our thoughts and our feelings make up our emotions, which then can influence our behaviours. Recognising emotions gives capacity then to recognise how our emotions affect our behaviours. And it's part of building self-awareness. And we then learn to regulate our emotions with more adaptive coping strategies. If you are regularly emotional eating, food has likely become your only source of coping. Therefore, it has replaced all capacity of emotional strategies. And you know, this may stem from years. And you may have been given food as a child to soothe. Therefore, that creates a habit. And when feeling a certain way, food is soothing. And it now may well be that it's a pathway embedded in the brain. But it doesn't mean it's not changeable. It absolutely is, like everything in life. And there's actually some really cool research to suggest that simply being able to label your emotions is transformative in relationship with food and relationship with body image. And you know, a lot of us grew up in households where we perhaps weren't given the language around emotions. We weren't given the capacity 
to acknowledge what an emotion was in terms of what frustration feels like for you, what aggravation feels like for you, what anxious feels like for you. And it's worth here covering that emotions aren't good or bad. They're just neutral and simply data. And that data is so subjective and so individual because shockingly, we're all different. We give them moral weight by what we believe about them how we portray or how we suppress them. I.e., if you feel excited, you're likely to tell people and be buzzing using adaptive coping strategies to manage the feeling, to regulate and to soothe. But if you're feeling isolated, lonely, you suppress that. You believe that that's bad. That's a defect. It's personal. Therefore, maybe you feel like a failure and you turn to these maladaptive coping strategies that suppress this. A maladaptive regulation looks like excessive thinking of negative self-talk, rumination, avoidance, the suppression I mentioned, focusing elsewhere instead of dealing or trying to eliminate or change the emotion. However, adaptive coping strategies help you sit with resilience and compassion. You recognise the feelings are normal and part of life, but you act in accordance with your values and your goals with an open heart. And this helps build tolerance with emotional intelligence. So take it back to the moral weight that you're giving emotions. If you're categorising them into good and bad, a bit like food labels, right? you're more likely to fall to adaptive coping strategies when you feel emotion is somewhat accepted and that feeling is validated for that situation. But if you have this innate belief that certain emotions are bad and that perhaps you're going to be judged for feeling a certain way, this is where you turn to those maladaptive coping strategies. And I think compassionately, it's worth acknowledging, have you ever been given the space to be able to express these, what you classify as negative emotions in a safe way? Or have you always been taught suppression? And this is where we link it back to childhood that may well have been a soothing strategy for you for some time. So therefore it probably comes as no surprise that emotional eating is a maladaptive coping strategy with emotional dysregulation. And with the emotional dysregulation tends to come this hyper-aroused state, which is out of your window of tolerance. And it increases a stress response within the body. And with the stress response within your body, there is an increase in what's known as your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight. Cortisol is increased. And with this, it not only stops but it can also slow down your digestive system, but it impacts your heart rate, your decision-making, your clarity. And we take more risks and pay less attention to the outcome of our decisions. So when that sympathetic nervous system is, is activated, we tend to make worse decisions. And we tend to see the sympathetic nervous system engaged 
with a link of a link back to your emotional dysregulation. So you're out of, like I said, that homeostasis. So with this aroused state, awareness is usually non-existent. And this is where we should first be looking, not at the food, not at trying to change the food, but looking at creating some awareness in that moment. And there's a really cool quote that I absolutely love from Victor Franklin. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So in that response, we have the choice. And this is not, and I think this is where people get it confused, whereby they think like if you've ever fallen into emotional eating, binge eating, you'll know that your clarity is so low, so low. And like I said, your decision-making is so impaired. And I know this on a very personal level and I completely resonate with this. And people believe that you need like 10 minutes to make a decision. You don't. In that moment, you just need a, a slight second of awareness to bring you back to the present, to take you out of autopilot and bring some cognitive decision-making very slightly, very slightly. It's not that you're going to be able to do handstands and go to the gym straight away and bring all of your friends. That's unrealistic, but you just need a slight second. And it's before you react. Outside of that instant response, you can slow it down and you can bring some awareness and you can face your feelings and sit with them instead of numbing them. And like I said, your clarity will be so low and you will not be able to make wildly large decisions. But all we are looking for is the capacity to stop, pause and decide what the next right thing is. So we'll stop for one second. Take a minute. Notice your breathing. As you are breathing, breathe in for four and out for four. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Regulating that breath. Repeat that. Observe. What are your thoughts? What is going through your mind right now? Where is your mind? What are you reacting to? What sensations do you notice in your body? I know for me, I used to feel it hugely in my stomach, in my lower abdominal area. Huge nauseous feeling and a huge weight in my body. Perspective. Don't believe everything that you think. Take an overarching view of the situation. Can you look at this situation in a different way? What advice would you give your friend? What would your best friend say to you right now? Is this thought fact or fiction? Is there a more reasonable explanation? How important will this be to me in six months' time? Practice. What is the most self-compassionate thing you can do right now? What is the most helpful thing for you right now, for the situation? What can you do that aligns with your values? Where else can you focus your attention right now? And this breathing, you know, 
you might think, right, Christ, Rebecca, there's quite a lot there, but you're simply breathing and it might be five breaths. In for four, hold for four, exhale for four. You might just do that five times and be able to gain perspective and practice what is the next right thing for you. And this is where you build on that resilience. You know, resilience comes with emotional intelligence. It's an adaptive coping strategy that then is going to be more value aligned. So what can you do? Is going for the biscuits in that moment really supportive? Would you give your best friend that advice? Or can you just pause and just stop? And just gain some perspective on the situation. And this is where that resilience element is very important because when we notice emotional dysregulation come in and these maladaptive coping strategies, we take the situation on as being very personal. And the part of part of the resilience is you take your personal self out of it and you recognise its situation. And you don't then come at yourself with these body bashing comments and these coping strategies that are not value aligned, that aren't supportive, that aren't kind to you. And breathing is a technique that helps us to gain distance between distressing thoughts and feelings and manage the physical reactions of emotion at times of high stress. It supports you to find some calm, to think more logically and rationally, to take you out of that autopilot sense. So I mentioned about the sympathetic nervous system. Breathing supports the increase of your parasympathetic nervous system in this state, right? And that is your rest and your digest. So if you are using this breathing and this stop technique in the moment, that is going to hugely support the increase of your rest and digest, which is more of a healthy place where you sit at that place of equilibrium, where you have more awareness, where you have more clarity. And again, it's just a second. That's all we're looking for. A slight pause. And no matter where you are, breathing helps pause. Pausing helps slow down an instant reaction. So if you're regularly responding to your emotions with eating, with anything, anything that you say to yourself, that's a maladaptive coping strategy. Maybe you're, I don't know, scrolling social media. Maybe you're online shopping. Maybe you are projecting outwardly. Deep breathing can be such a useful tool to help understand how you feel, to check in with your values and match action with intent going forward. Now, it's one of these that we can't just rely on in the moment because you haven't practiced it, right? So it's a bit like building a muscle. When you go to the gym, you don't build muscle mass, shockingly. (laughs) You create the stimuli within the muscle. And it's what you do outside of that that's indicative of the growth, repair and recovery. That's for another podcast. But to build muscle mass, you have to be progressively overloading, exposing the muscle to some progression in terms of reps, weight, etc., and be consistently, progressively overloading. Right, very much like the breathing technique. If you are using breath work frequently, so like three, four times a week, maybe just doing some box breathing, maybe aligning it to your steps when you're going out for a walk, like counting your steps, breathing in for four, one, two, three, four, hold for four, exhale for four, 
So then you're aligning those two together. That's going to help strengthen your window of tolerance. And that has been shown to be so powerful in reducing overeating tendencies and improving your disordered eating habits because in that moment then, you're able to lean on this coping strategy and this stop mechanism, this stop method, sorry, as an adaptive coping strategy to then drive more intentional-led action with greater clarity, which is so, so, so important to your overall health and well-being your mental and your physical health. You don't forever want to be falling into this emotional eating, this binge eating. And I know for myself personally, I thought it was a me problem. I thought that I was never going to be able to change. I thought that I was stuck with it forever. And being able to simply pause, not only with this situation, you know, like I said, with everything, just being able to pause in life. It's like, it's like a trend now to go around in this hyper-aroused state all the time and we wonder why emotional eating, disordered eating habits are on the rise because we're not able to manage our emotions. We're not able to manage our stresses within our body and then we're turning to these coping strategies but then we're feeling so disconnected from our bodies and realistically the only thing that is allowing you to live a life, create memories, do the job that you love, have relationships that's your body. So we want to be able to respect him or her compassionately with an open heart and not criticize ourselves. If we're having days when we're feeling different types of emotions, you are human. That is completely normal. So check in with the moral weight that you're also giving these emotions because, you know, we all feel it. (laughs) Like that's a normal part of adulting. It's a normal part of life. So if you're struggling with emotional dysregulation and even if it isn't binge eating, overeating, it may well be, like I said, other maladaptive coping strategies, I want you to start by using the stop technique. I want you to start by using your breath and doing that two to three times a week and seeing how you feel in your body then, how much calmer you feel. And if you're like, okay, that that seems quite a lot at the minute and actually... I want something a little bit more basic, which I openly appreciate. One thing you can do if it's like forever going to the biscuits is put on a post-it note and just say, just put stop on it because that's going to help bring some awareness to that situation. But it's still going to be that you have to observe. It's still going to be that you have to gain some perspective. It's still going to be that you have to check in and then decide what's the next right thing. But if you're putting like a post-it note on on the food, and I did that to start with, and just putting stop, that's going to change the autopilot because it's going to look different to when you usually go and use this coping strategy. So I hope you take a lot from this podcast. And if you are listening to this and think, do you know what? I would really value some support in this. That's exactly what my coaching entails supporting and healing your relationship with food and with your body. I've got some spaces open for August and I will link my details below in the show notes. And as always, if you have any questions, my inbox is always open. Thank you again for listening.